Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues here on American Family Radio for this Thursday, January the 27th. We thank you for listening to AFR. And joining me in studio is Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Tim. And Chris Woodward. Good morning. And in Kansas City, Kansas, is our good friend, Dr. Ray Pritchard. Good morning, Ray. How you doing, Tim? Doing well. Doing well. Um, Brent and uh, Ray were exchanging information on temperatures a few moments ago. Okay. And? And Correct me if I'm wrong, Brent. Tupelo is going to be colder or is colder than... Kansas City? Friday night. Friday tomorrow night. night. It's supposed to be 20 degrees here. And I was talking with Ray, and I believe, Ray, you said it was going to be 24? 24. 24. Not too many times Tupelo's colder than Kansas City. Go north, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Just for a day. Maybe, yeah, right. for, two, maybe for three hours. That's right. Man. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's chilly. As far as I'm concerned, fellas, we could vote out January. Uh, you know, and, just, it is the February. longest year of you the month. You want to go ahead and vote out oh, February, too? Let's just start with March, okay? <laughs> we'll go straight from November to March. There you, I'm good with that. <laughs> you can make an executive order today, Mr. President. <laughs> I think there's only one person in the universe who can make that kind of executive order. But, yeah. Uh, but and yeah. make it stick. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, – it's a uh, – well, we're not going to belabor the point. It makes it worse, fellas. At least we have inside. Oh, yeah. That's right. Unlike our 200 years ago when they were, and, everybody and was around a wood fire. Yeah. Huh? And we're not going to get what they've been predicting for the Northeast this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Blizzard. Oh, my. Yeah. Nor'easter. Uh, what they call, yeah, Nor'easter. Nasty. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, when, uh, if, you got, if you guys ever want to appreciate our country more than you do now, Get the book 1776 by David McCullough. Huh. You, you read that too, Ray? Yeah, fabulous, fabulous book. That's one of those books I, I read, and I'm not, I'm not an avid book reader like I used to be. I've been dumbed down to magazine articles and websites now, <laughs> like most Americans. Yeah. <laughs> I used to read books. What's but, a book? I'm, uh, not, I know, familiar, what's a book I'm not even now. familiar with this concept. Yeah. Well, then you have children. It just, everything <laughs> changes. But uh, anyway, uh, the book 1776 by David McCullough. And he, in there, he basically the book is about one year of uh, the year I'm talking about where our country was uh, on the brink of, of not being, a, well, it wasn't, we weren't a country. Mm. Okay. We were, we were. We were fighting for our independence from the British crown, but what the Continental uh, Army went through, and I say army, compared to the British, we were like ragtag, a ragtag bunch Mm. of farmers and merchants and uh, maybe a few people who had experience with, uh, tried to round up guns and I mean, it's it was a uh, truly is a miracle that we're here sitting talking today, because we our our forefathers should have been by all rights crushed by the uh, British military might, right? But they survived. But but the the connection here to us talking about winter weather was 
he describes in great detail David McCullough does what what our our, our what our folks faced mm. and not just the british but the but the uh, elements ray you want you want to say anything else about that it's it was it was the his description is so good that when you read it you start you you want to pull a blanket up over you while you're reading the book because oh, no. he he makes you feel what they went through at valley forge yeah and and frankly how impossible how impossible yeah. the american victory right. was in that war yeah and trenton yeah. and boston and he's talking about the uh, our, our our americans you know the militias got to come up from uh, Maryland or Virginia to help out the our guys right. in New York. Who if they if they don't get there on time, New York's going down and it's all over. I mean, it was one thing after another where if any one little thing, not little thing, but uh, minor lo- loss had occurred for the uh, Americans, as I say, the four of us wouldn't be sitting here uh, talking. But why, I just remember one story vividly. He described. Our guys uh, <clears throat> dragging a t- cannon like a hun- two hundred miles mm. to go to a battle, and and w- over over just paths and mud. And I mean, <laughs> pushing uh, pushing it up and pushing it yeah. up those rutted roads up yeah. the hills yeah. and down. Yeah, mm. uh, it was a different breed, but yeah. the price they paid for mm. our freedom. And our liberty and the and our what, what to them now was the posterity, sure. um, is it makes you want to cry really. I get emotional thinking about it because um, it was just uh, God's hand. And on, Tim, that is why people are fighting yeah. so hard to ensure right. this generation coming right. up learns this. Yes, freedom so and liberty. And, and and the right to determine your own life. I'm talking about obviously God's in control of our lives, but I'm talking about determine our own destiny here as Americans. You know, freedom. Yes. Uh, comes at a price. Comes at a price, and the world history is full of tyranny and slavery, and uh, this is not the norm. So uh, look around the world, even right now. All right, you're listening to today's issues on American Family Radio. Uh, one subject I want to talk about right now, and then we can come back to your stack of stuff there you got, Fred. Uh, we talked yesterday uh, about situation in Boston, Massachusetts, where, speaking of <laughs> early American history, Boston, and there's a gentleman in the hospital there it's made national news he's 31 years old and he needs a heart transplant he's uh he's he's first in line right i mean he was he was first in line or he 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 had reached that level okay he was in line and now he reached his time to have the heart transplant and the hospital there has told him uh you're now not eligible for the heart transplant because or until you get a COVID nineteen vaccine shot, mm-hmm. otherwise we're sorry. Yep. So uh, that may be, and we had the discussion yesterday. Mm-hmm. What's uh, about the ethics of that? The morality of that? Uh, the reasons for that from the hospital's perspective? And um, 
And so I wanted to have someone on who could speak to this, uh, speak to those questions. And so we have now with us from uh, the Christian Medical and Dental Association, Dr. Christine Tovis, and she uh, joins us now. Dr. Tovis, did I get your last name correct? It's all right. It's pronounced Taves. But it's per, it's spelled the way you pronounce it, but but I pronounce it Taves. T a okay, so T Taves. Okay, well you can yes. call me Tom. Okay, <laughs> sounds just, good. Tom. Just, yeah, just to make up for it, you just give me a couple Toms. That'll be even though <laughs> I'm right. t, even though I'm Tim. <laughs> um, all right, all right. But anyway, thank you for being on with us. So tell us about the uh, Christian Medical and Dental Association. So it is a national and actually an international organization of doctors and physicians and healthcare providers who are Christians and are very concerned about things like right of conscience and Christian practice and uh, Christians in medicine. And what is your uh, uh, professional experience? So I am a trauma surgeon. I also do surgical critical care. I take care of the most critical. I do ICU care. And I have a master's in bioethics, which is why I was asked to speak on this topic. Okay, very good. Thank you. And would you mind telling us where you live? I live in Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. A good Hoosier there. Yes. We have a lot of listeners in Indiana to American I'm married family. married to one of them. Yes. Are you? Mm-hmm. Where's there your... you go. Yeah, my wife is from Valparaiso. Nice. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. So you heard, you're familiar with this story, and it's not uh, the first time this has happened since COVID uh, vaccines have come out, uh, 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 doctor. And so what? tell us what your uh, – first of all, what would be the reason a hospital would say no in their minds? And then talk about the morality and the ethical uh, answers to this question. So – I am not surprised that this is the protocol for transplant. So when you receive an organ, when you receive an organ transplant from another human being, your body inherently wants to reject that organ because it's not part of you. So when you receive a transplant, they give you massive doses of immunosuppression drugs in order to prevent you from rejecting that organ. It makes you really profoundly at risk of every infection in the entire world. It's a huge concern in the world of transplant. So we want to prevent the organ from being rejected, but we also want to try to prevent terrible infections from occurring. Well, as we all know, COVID is running rampant through the communities and through the hospitals and those types of things. So the hospital has decided that the COVID vaccine prevents serious illness and hospitalization, we're going to give an organ, we're going to massively immunosuppress these people. And if you look at the recommendations for vaccines and treatment for COVID, those who are immunosuppressed are at the very top of the list, regardless of age. So I understand why the hospital does it. And if they do it consistently across the board for all who have not had a COVID vaccine, then it's part of their policy and protocols. And it's actually the CDC's recommendations. Okay. Do you agree with that? So the problem becomes, from a general perspective, the answer is yes. It's a protocol-driven. There's a limited number of heart transplants. We do about 3,000 a year in the United States. There's about 3,000 people currently on the waiting list. 
do I agree with a policy that says that given the inherent risk? The answer is yes. The problem with this case is that we don't have all the information. We don't know when he was told this. We don't know if it was, for example, when he was rolling to the operating room and they determined that they weren't going to give him a heart. We don't know the discussions that occurred beforehand, when in the process he was informed that he would actually not be either on the list or taken off the list. So the problem with ethics is you can talk principles and then you end up talking about the care of a specific person and we don't have enough facts because we're only going to hear his side and the family's side because by privacy law regulations, the hospital is not exactly allowed to tell us what their conversations were. So does that make sense? So it makes it really murky and great for headlines. Doctor, it's Fred Jackson. Um, in the case of D.J. Ferguson, this 31-year-old young man. The one we're talking about in Boston that the doctor is yes. referencing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Here's what he says, and I'd like to get your reaction to it. He says there have been multiple cases and warnings about young men his age having complications from the vaccine, uh, other heart problems. And he says that is that is the key reason why he is has been refusing a vaccine. Uh, your thoughts on that? So he is correct. But the people that he's talking about are the ones that we're seeing on the news, the Olympic athletes, the soccer players in Europe, very healthy people who are developing some form of myocarditis uh, and who probably are not actually going to benefit from the vaccine. And several countries around the world have now said vaccines for young males under the age of 30 are not indicated because of the risk of myocarditis. That is a fundamentally different situation from a man who is dying from a failing heart, who is going to get a new heart that is not his and is going to receive massive immunosuppression at the same time. We're comparing apples and oranges. I understand how he's interpreting it this and why he says that, but they're not the same situation. Talking to the doctor. So I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, we're talking to Dr. Christine uh, Taves. Uh, she's a critical care surgery specialist. Uh, she is in, the, in Indiana. She's a member of the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and we invited her on to speak to the uh, situation in Boston and and just, just the idea of denying people a organ transplant because they haven't got a COVID uh, vaccine shot that We've seen this happening at hospitals. I wanted to ask one one more question related to this, and I don't want to I don't want to have you have to repeat yourself. But let me just tell you, uh, and you know this already, probably how a just a layman's view of this uh, um, from where I sit. And and uh, correct me, please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, so the gentleman the, the, who needs the heart transplant. He was, he was all ready to go. I mean, I don't know if he was rolling down the hall. I don't think that's the case. But he had reached the level of he was next in line. And and then the hospital says, well, we're going to disqualify you uh, from your heart transplant that you're ready to receive if you don't get a COVID vaccine shot. 
My thing, doctor, is he is, if you look at uh, statistics in America, yes, COVID has killed a lot of people. We all know people who have died because of COVID. There's no question about that. But still, the death rate is tiny. It's minuscule, uh, right? So, uh, I mean, under 1%, I mean, it's under under a half a percent, I think, sometimes I've seen numbers like that. So, my thing is, uh, you're going to say to this gentleman, no, now you have to get this shot that's going to uh, theoretically uh, prevent you from dying should you get COVID down the road. However, we're going to sentence you to death 100%. <laughs> by not letting you have your heart transplant that you, you, you're eligible for and you've waited for and you've qualified for and we've said yes to, but now we're changing the story. We're changing the, the game now because of COVID. We're telling you you also got to get this uh, vaccine shot. So that's why I, I think that's why I say to myself, that's not right. That's not fair uh, because they're giving him 100% death uh, sentence over something that may or may not happen down the road with a particular infection that may even be gone in a couple of months. We don't know. So what's your reaction to, to my reaction? Okay, so I have all kinds of comments. <laughs> um, some personal, some with a medical hat on, those types of things. Okay. Regardless of what happens, it's tragic. I okay. mean, we all agree. Right. Death is tragic. Right. right, Which is why Christ came to save us all from death. Yes. Amen. Okay, when you get to the point where you're listed or being considered for a transplant, your options are basically you either get the transplant or you die. There are no other choices. I mean, for kidneys, yes, you can get dialysis, but the death rate's greater than if you got a kidney transplant. But we're talking about the really critical things, lungs, hearts, livers, those types of things. You don't get the organ, you die. So from his perspective or not specifically him, but a person who is being considered for a transplant, you are going to die if you don't get an organ. There are not yeah. enough organs in the world for everybody who needs an organ. So basically, if you get an organ, you've won the lottery. Now, the hospital has a responsibility to protect a extraordinarily limited resource, make sure the people who are most going to benefit from the organ get it and are going to have the absolute best outcomes because hospitals are graded based upon survivability at one year for organ transplant and for organs like kidneys, the actual function of the organ at one year. So the hospital is incentivized, and it's important that they demonstrate that they are being good stewards of a very limited resource. Mm -hmm. Okay, The drugs that we give people in order for them to receive a transplant basically wipe your entire immune system off the face of the earth for a limited period of time. And it slowly comes back, but you're at risk for lots of infections that you and I aren't on a daily basis because our immune system works and you're immunosuppressed. So yes, for you and me, the risk of COVID may be extraordinarily low. But for someone like this who has no functioning immune system, once he gets his heart, it matters. And so the numbers are different than what you and I talk about. Now, the issue may be, and the, the checklist for transplants are long and complicated because what they're trying to do is protect a resource, a very limited resource. So the question then becomes, did they do the process correctly? Did they put him on the list without checking his COVID vaccine? Did they promise him the hope of life 
and survival and we're going to give you a heart and then pull it away at the last second. The bottom line is you and I don't know. We know what the family is saying, but we don't know what the hospital says. And unfortunately, the hospital can't tell us. But if they truly did that, then that's sad and that's awful. And that means that their checklist process doesn't work. One so the, that's a lot of information. No, in no, I understand that as you're saying, we would we would have to hear exactly what the hospital is saying to have a a, a full understanding of, of what's what's going on here. And you've tried to explain that. Uh, one other question I had, um, and then we'll we'll let you go, and we'll let you give the information for the Christian Medical and Dental Association because there may be somebody out there who qualifies for membership and would like to be a part of that. But 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 the, uh, here's the question I have, uh, and this is outside of your area of expertise. I understand you're you're not a uh, virologist. Virologist. Yeah, thank you, Fred. What's oh. the other the e word? Yeah, epidemi. Epidemiologist. Yeah, Epidemiologist. Yeah, I think we all know what I'm talking about here, and I challenge you folks to say that three <laughs> times fast. Okay, before you start making fun of Tim. <laughs> All right, you say that three. I want to ask you your professional opinion just as a physician and you've tracked and followed this COVID. Do you think that we are uh, getting close to the end of the uh, this, this uh, two-year nightmare? God, I hope so, <laughs> and I pray so every single day. I think we all, inside the hospital, outside the hospital, regardless of what we do for a living and our interactions, I think we're all tired of this. I think the fact that England has declared an end to the pandemic and a variety of other countries have now said there will be no more mandates and we're going to live our lives and we're just going to acknowledge that COVID is going to run through the population just like the flu, I am hopeful. But as you and I both know, COVID has a huge political component to it too. And will the politics go away? And I don't know. So this is a God-sized problem for which I pray for a solution every day. Uh, how can who's eligible to join the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and how can they get in touch with with you all? So the website is CMDA Christian Medical and Dental Association dot org. It's open to the public too. There's some ethics statements there that I would recommend people to, if they want more information about transplant and ethical issues. We actually have a whole set of ethical position page, uh, papers and and policies and things that people can take a look at. So that's open to the public. But the actual membership of the organization is for physicians and dentists and uh, advanced practice providers who are involved in the medical care, and we'd love to have you. Okay. Uh, uh, Dr. Christine Taves from uh, the great state of Indiana has been our – I got your name right that time, huh? Uh, Yes, you did, Tim. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for calling me Tim. Uh, Anyway, thank you, Dr. Taves, for being on with us this morning, and we appreciate appreciate what you had to share. And also, we encourage people to get in touch with the Christian Medical and Dental Association and become a part part of that fine organization. Thank you, doctor. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we uh, we um, shall return momentarily with more of today's issues. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Jan Markell's coming up too, right? Correct. And Dr. Ray Pritchard's with us from Kansas City. Uh, Fred, Chris, and Tim are in Tupelo. We'll be back momentarily. Stay with us.
too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. If you like trips where you have to plan everything, then uh, maybe our tour is not for you. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman with American Family Association and American Family Radio. Of course, I'm talking about our spiritual heritage tours of Washington, D.C., Mount Vernon, and then a separate trip to Williamsburg, Virginia. But we take these spiritual heritage tours twice a year, once in June and once in September, And guess what? We take care of everything. All you have to do is, as they say, show up. Uh, Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, who is a historian, will be joining us for both tours. And uh, he will comment and tell you everything you need to know about the places, the times, the events that we will experience on these tours of Washington, D.C. and Williamsburg. For all the information... Just go to the website, spiritualheritagetours.com for everything. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. At Liberty University, we're proud to support those who serve and protect us every day, like first responders and past and present military members and their spouses. As thanks for your service, we offer special tuition rates and discounts. You'll also find deployment-friendly classes and degrees tailored to your specific interests and career goals. Learn how Liberty designs degrees just for you by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Gun owners in San Jose, California will soon have to pay for the right to bear arms. The city council passed an ordinance that will force all gun owners to pay a fee. Gun owners will also have to carry liability insurance. Mayor Sam Licardo says the Second Amendment protects the right to own a gun, but it does not require citizens to subsidize that right. The mayor says city residents have incurred about $442 million in gun-related costs every year. He did not specify exactly how those costs are incurred. Now, under the plan, gun owners would be charged a $25 fee. That money would be used to set up a nonprofit to promote gun crime prevention. For most of the country, the right to bear arms is a freedom protected by the Constitution. But in San Jose, you've got to pay a tax. My new book is available right now on my website, Our Daily Biscuit Devotions with a Draw. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, Ray, what did you think about that conversation we just had with Dr. Taves? Uh, I thought she did a wonderful job of explaining the complexities right we hear a story and understandably understandably our hearts go out to he's what 31 years old Mm -hmm. he's dying he's got to have a heart so 
on that side, all I and I wanted to ask her, what are his options now? I hope there's some place. I don't know. Well, I tell you what, I don't know what'll happen either. Chris is following the story for us. Chris talked to the the gentleman's father. Um, if it's me, I go ahead and get the shot because otherwise you're going to die. And you know what I'm saying? Because uh, yeah. his concern is that he might get. Uh, what you what you uh, myocarditis? Yes, yes, that's his concern. Well, he's facing mm, death if he doesn't get the heart transplant. So his options are not right. Your your question. I don't think I don't think he has any options. Either you get the I, shot or you pass away. I imagine it would be very hard to find a hospital that. First of all. Most hospitals don't do heart transplants, very right. advanced surgery. So I imagine he's going to face that same problem wherever he goes. Yeah. Maybe maybe that maybe the, the, the best option is take the vaccine and get the surgery and pray God to That's what give I'm him saying. A long life. Uh, all right. So Chris, you you keep following this yeah, for us? I'll do and I'll I'll file a story uh, later today after the show to uh, put that doctor's thoughts on the air on a newscast. In case hey, you let me, let me, uh, Chris, let me, let me ask you the question mm-hmm. in talking to this man's father, has it come up? Maybe he should just get the vaccine. Did no. you ask that question? It did not. I, it did not come up and I did not ask that question. And you kind of think, well, why did you not? It was, it was, um, the dad was, uh, as you might've heard in the audio, I think we played some of it yesterday. The dad was emotional understandably sure. sure uh he um he uh, he was very beside himself uh and actually the uh patient in question was in surgery during my interview with his father uh he had an emergency pump put in uh and in recent days he was uh given what was called a balloon pump that was supposed to give him according to the father about two to three weeks it only lasted about two to three days which oh, is why man. they were trying to give him the emergency pump so that way it would give him more time while they tried to sort this out, I suppose. All right. Next story, Fred. Well, we'll leave it to Chris. Okay. Next story, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tell you what, let's let's get into the situation uh, over the Supreme Court vacancy. Um, in what may have been a leak uh, yesterday or in, in recent days, uh, it was announced that Justice Stephen Breyer, who's been there since I was 12 years old, uh, it was announced that he was going to retire. And obviously that leaves Joe Biden to decide his uh, his vacancy, his nomination. And there have been stories uh, in the last 24 hours or so about how Joe Biden is going to reportedly pick a black woman to replace Justice Stephen Breyer. So that way the court would have its first black woman Supreme well, Court justice. Yes. And let me just add, remember Biden when he was running for president, he went ahead. He has racial and... He has quotas. Mm-hmm. He has to to meet. Remember, he said, "I'm going to pick a woman, a, a, a woman of color, to be my running mate." Mm-hmm. Then he said, "I'm going to pick a woman of color to be this next Supreme Court justice." Should he have the opportunity? And now he does. So now he does. Yes. So he's kind of he's boxed himself in. Um, you know, on his choices. Yeah. Because they've got to meet a certain sex and a certain ethnicity. Go ahead. Well, and, you know, a lot of people are upset with this, and we do have some sound here. I think it's a good time to bring this up. We just had the anniversary of Martin Luther King Day. 
Oh, oh, we just had Martin Luther King Day. And one of the things that Martin Luther King talked about was one day living, all of us living together in a society where we're judged for the content of our character and not the color of our skin. And here we are 60 years later doing that exact thing where we're picking somebody based on their skin color uh, and also their gender. Chad Groning, one of our reporters uh, at AFN, interviewed a, a gentleman named Horace Cooper. He's one of the um, higher-ups or officials at an organization called Project 21, which is a network of black conservatives. And so what you're going to hear is Horace Cooper saying it is shameful that any president is picking a Supreme Court justice based on race and gender. Clip three. Someone will have filled a quota for the president, and that's why this person is selected. Not because they're the smartest, not because they're the most talented, but instead merely because they fit the bill. That is a shameful, shameful basis for who is going to get to be on the court. <laughs> well, listen, um, we, we, do, uh, we do need to, you do have to be conscious of I'm going to play the liberal today, okay? I'm, I'm playing a part here, people. I'm playing a role, okay? I'm, this is mock court, and Ed's not here. <laughs> I was just going to say <laughs> that. You beat me to it, Fred. Ed is our studio lefty <laughs> that, from that, that tries to defend liberalism, and then we can we can all pile on him and, and and bash Ed. But Ed's not here today, so I've got to I've got to fulfill the race. Well, what I, the reason I'm I'm about to say what I say is because. Uh, in trying to understand how the other side thinks, sometimes there's, sometimes there's, um, there's factors in, in, in what is said. It's not all excuse me, bun, black and white. Okay. So, uh, it is good in a society that is, uh, multicultural and diverse. It is good to be inclusive of people of all backgrounds and races and ethnicities because um, who are qualified? Because um, it's that's just good for our country because we're the melting pot of the world. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to, in my mind, in wanting to, uh, um, you know, I don't want AFA and AFR to be all white. We got a hundred and something employees. I don't want it to be a hundred to zero. And we're <laughs> you know? not. So 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 I'm conscious as president of this ministry. I don't want. I, I do want to. I do want to have. People who are non-whites on our staff, uh, whether they be black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, that's good for us because there are Christian brothers and sisters who are qualified who Amen. fit into that fit into that category. Okay, so, um, but, uh, so, so when somebody like the Democrats, but they have an ideological test too. It's not just black woman, but she's got to be a far lefty. Oh yeah, too. And that's really the most important thing, mm -hmm. because the liberals don't consider conservative African Americans to be black at all. They've said that to Clarence Thomas before, right? Which mm -hmm. is which is which is to bar from, from that gentleman's words a few minutes ago. That's shameful. So, uh, so what I'm saying is, when we talk about these kinds of things, uh, there is two sides to the story. Yep. Dude, Fred. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I think because Joe Biden made the declaration so early on yeah, that it had to be somebody with black skin. Yeah. 
Um, there's three names being mentioned. And female. Right and female. Yeah. Uh, or at least it, identify as one. There's a couple of elements to this story that have been unfolding over the last 24 hours. Number one. Did you get th that? This came out. I'm, I'm sorry. What I just, I got the identify thing. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, it was good. a joke. Okay, got it. Yeah, okay. From the liberal. You just went uh, right on through that. <laughs> I didn't know. Just, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What yes. now? Uh, the announcement came from media yesterday. We understand that Justice Breyer is really upset. And some people are blaming somebody at the White House decide to get out there because we know there's been a lot of pressure on Justice Breyer to step down, to resign, uh, while they have a president, a Democratic president of the White House. So that's that's one thing. Number two... The United States Supreme Court just agreed to take affirmative an affirmative action case. This had to do with alleged prejudice by Harvard University against Asian students. So you have the prospect, a possibility, that one of the first cases this person would deal with is affirmative action. Now, the other part uh, to all of this is, what if Justice Breyer says, you know what? I wanted to come out and make a big announcement, have a news conference, and tell everybody I'm going. What if he decides to hang around? What I if he, he? What if so? He, it's not for certain. Oh no, Justice Breyer hasn't said anything. Well, but he hadn't denied it. He hasn't denied it, but he hasn't announced it. Well, uh, then then he's going to retire because he would have said, well, "Who's spreading this rumor, Fred?" I think that's. Well, there's there's kind of inside people obviously well you know what what's going to happen here in the end is we're trading a liberal vote for a liberal vote it's not going to make any difference ideologically huh? yes. it's it, it's really not i could see 10 or 12 republican senators voting for whoever biden puts up because yeah. it's really not going to make any difference in terms of the voting makeup of the supreme court um so i think this would be a pretty quick thing there's some fun conspiracy stuff going on out there you know maybe it's kamala harris Oh, that's how you. How get much rid time? Of how much time do we have? Because I, I, I've got some conspiracy theories. I would love to just drop out. Well, there. I tell you, it was. It's very interesting because this is a midterm election period. Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee are going to make an issue out of whoever gets the nomination. Democrats are going to presumably come back with, "You don't like this person because you're a racist and you're a sexist." Yeah. Fireworks uh, well, in a right, midterm election. Year. Ray, Ray, I got a, I got a. Uh, yeah. What's your theory here? All right, here's my theory. I was talking about this with Allison, my wife, last night, and uh, Ed yesterday afternoon after the show, Ed Battagliano. Okay. I'm going to tell you what. Should I tell? Should I say what Ed said? Sure. I don't even think he listens when he's at home. You're acting his role and today. I, and there's nothing wrong with I got what, your parking spot there's today, nothing, Ed. There's nothing wrong with what he said. Um. He said, Ed said he thought this this might be a possibility for the Democrats, what I'm about to say. You put Harris on the Supreme Court. Right. Right? So you get rid of a liability. Mm -hmm. You kick her upstairs. <laughs> for life. <laughs> we used to call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You put Harris, if she'll go. Mm -hmm. uh, so you put Harris on the Supreme Court. You get rid Problem solved because she is a liability to the White House. Saying something's a liability for Biden, that's 
That's LOL. But she is. Uh-huh. Huh? And she's not going to be president. No. Because she, she, for one thing, she just, bless her heart, she doesn't have the personality. It's all part of the plan. And she, yeah. yes, and she, and she doesn't have the <laughs> smarts. And she doesn't, I mean, I'm just, she's probably smarter than me, but I'm just telling you, she is not in a presidential league. All you got to do is listen to her talk for a while. All right, so you move her over to the Supreme Court, right? Mm-hmm. Problem solved there. Mm-hmm. Now, who comes in to be VP? Ray, you tracking with me here? I'm with you. Okay. With- Ed says Michelle Obama. Yes. All right. Would be a real possibility. And then Biden steps out after November mm-hmm. when they get crushed in the uh, by the republicans get a two-year audition yeah and then and then ha uh, shazam to borrow from governor powell there you go golly uh michelle obama is president and she has a two-year head start on whoever the republicans want to be now that's what ed suggested yesterday as a possibility fred's laughing why are you laughing fred no i i've heard this scenario okay now mm-hmm. i was now uh, that is a um Wild, crazy scenario, which, as far as her popularity goes, would not necessarily be a bad thing to do. However, I told Brother Ed, <laughs> and I told my wife Allison, she did that. That uh, that's not going to happen, okay? Because you know, they make a great novel. That's not going to happen. The part about Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Moving Harris over to the Supreme Court could very well happen. Yep. Jen Psaki didn't deny it yesterday. Mm-hmm. She is an she is a Jamaican Indian woman, right? Mm-hmm. So she fits the bill as a, a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she goes over to the Supreme Court. Now, who becomes number two? Uh, I said, Allison, my wife said, what about Hillary Clinton? I think that probably might come to pass. Do you? Do you oh, yeah. Okay. I've heard that too. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think if Harris goes to the Supreme Court, uh, I got three, uh, well, two choices, three maybe. Klobuchar from Wisconsin, the senator, she's a woman, and she's Lily White, but um, but I'm talking about being VP, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, you got uh, Whitmer. Up in Michigan, the governor there. I know Governor Lockdown. The one he called Jennifer accidentally. (laughs) Biden did? Yeah, he did. Oh, man. How many cringe moments can we have (laughs) in this presidency? So there you go, Ray. Those two, with with the the third option, which would kind of be a wild card, would be Elizabeth Warren. To be VP, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about if Harris moved to the Supreme Court. There you go, Ray. What do you think? Well, first of all, the idea of Kamala Harris on the Supreme Court, that does solve some problems, doesn't it? She goes to the court, and hard to believe that she makes a huge impact there. I mean, basically, we're going to trade a liberal for a liberal, right? With who We're not going to get a centrist filling Breyer's seat on the court. That's just not going to happen. No. So that's a liberal vote. It's going to stay that way. So then it's what? Number one is Michelle Obama. Doesn't seem too likely, but possible. Hillary somehow, in my mind, Tim, seems more believable. And you're saying maybe what? Somebody like Amy Klobuchar, maybe? Well, I was thinking about somebody that's not a lightning rod. 
Right. Somebody, and, she, and, and she's not. She's uh, Klobuchar is not a lightning rod. She has a uh, fairly good personality. She presents herself well, uh, and I think she would be a good compliment to Biden yeah. in the White House. Now, do I agree with any of her politics? Probably not. But I'm just telling you how the average American citizen out there yeah. who doesn't have uh, doesn't follow politics very closely would. I think they would like her. Per, her. I'm Go still ahead. chewing over Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Okay. Why? You think? You think that? Because I think Joe Biden should double his security. If she was right, <laughs> 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 hey, Fred. 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 In, in Fred. all seriousness, though, Fred. you could put <laughs> Hillary in that spot, and then you eliminate what may be a primary challenge in a couple of years. Yeah. There's a couple things at play here that blow all this up. Okay. <laughs> not not Klobuchar, by the way. If Harris goes first of all, Harris. It's probably not going to go over to the Supreme Court because uh, that would be B-O-R-I-N-G mm-hmm. for her, okay? She likes going traveling around, going to shop, <laughs> going out and looking for, uh, you know, root causes. I mean, that's her thing, right? Going that's to El Paso that's... Airport once a year. She's down in Honduras today. I know, looking We've for root causes. Honduras. Honduras. Yeah. So, so I, I don't <laughs> likelihood of, of Harris going over there to the Supreme Court Although the although Democrat establishment would love that, but, but having her go over there uh, is not likely. Michelle Obama is not going to be going to be vice president for Joe Biden. No. First of all, she is living the good life, multimillionaire, my friend. Yeah. She and her husband, uh, President Obama, made a killing somehow. Well, I know how they made a killing uh, out there: memoirs mm-hmm. and business Netflix. dealings and mm-hmm. that. They run with uh, the Robin Leach crowd, okay? Um, caviar. Come on, Tim. You can do it. 80s. They have a house on the coast as they're warning about sea levels rising. Champagne wishes yeah. and caviar dreams. That's what Michelle Obama's life is right now. And she, She's hanging out with George Clooney on a yacht, okay, mm-hmm. uh, out, off, off the coast of Greece. She's not going to want to go down to the VP's office over in the old executive wing and wait for her meeting with Joe Biden on at, at 11 o'clock. Yes, I agree. <laughs> okay. So that, that usually the expression that ain't happening. No. So now the, the Hillary Clinton, would she want to be number two? Not for long. I, well, I know. <laughs> so I think Tim's observation is, has a likely chance, uh, more likely chance of happening. If I can speak in third person. And that is Harris goes to the Supreme court, Klobuchar or Whitmer, become VP, mm-hmm. and with an outside shot for Elizabeth Warren. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, we have okay. had somebody from the executive branch, one person, go on to serve on the Supreme Court. It was President Taft. After he left office as president, he went on to actually serve at the Supreme Court. So there where, is, where, what, where did you pull that from? Oh, that's... Uh, you just know that from your I, history? Yeah. Wow, I'm impressed, Chris. So we've had one president actually go on to serve on the Supreme Court. He's the only one in history to do so. Uh, Harris would be the first female vice president to go on to be the first black woman on the Supreme Court. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. But it's it's, going to be a liberal vote for a liberal vote. It's Mm -hmm. not going to make any substantial difference on the makeup of the Supreme Court uh, right now. You're listening to Today's Issues on American Family Radio. On a more serious note, uh, we have our guest in uh, a more serious topic, I should say, 
Uh, go ahead, Fred. Yeah, this is the 77th anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp. And uh, much talk these days about 77th anniversary, but uh, anti-Semitism still on the rise. And uh, we have our good friend Jan Markell from Minneapolis, host of Understanding the Times, which is heard Saturday at 1 p.m. Central, Sunday at 12 noon, right here on AFR. Jan, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, this is troubling. Uh, I, I think some of it has to do with where 77 years passed uh, okay. uh, Auschwitz uh, and and this anniversary comes many years. But it's also, there's a couple of things, and I want to get your comments on this. It's not taught about much anymore, what happened That's to right. the Jewish people. But also, right. there's just a campus cancer out there against the Jewish people. Well, you're absolutely right, Fred. Um, I've done some programming on the fact that high school and college students know very uh, almost nothing. They don't know what Auschwitz is. They don't even uh, know who was the 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 uh, perpetrator of all this horror and terror during World War II. They don't know his name, Adolf Hitler. They they know absolutely nothing, and and that's not because they're ignorant. It's because their schools aren't teaching it. Um, so to me, that's a kind of a terrifying thought. I had the privilege of working with Holocaust uh, survivor Anita Dittman for 30 year, uh, 40 years. She just passed away a year ago and wrote her book, Trapped in Hitler's Hell, which was actually, title is a little bit um, daunting, but it was a wonderful story of uh, her survival during the Holocaust as a Jewish believer in Jesus. Um, but I am con- I'm concerned at, number one, the ignorance, and number two, I'm I'm kind of concerned that we're seeing some conditions that resemble the 1930s rise up again in our time. Can you explain that? Well, I mean, we see um, government leaning on government. I mean, I think that would be the, the biggest thing. The, in the late 20s and early 30s, the German people uh, looked to government as their savior. Obviously, they picked the wrong savior back then. Look what it turned into. Um, and, and but I but I see people today. Even let's just talk about America. I see Americans, some of them anyway, leaning too much on government, leaning too much on uh, government um, assistance. Uh, quite frankly, leaning too much on government medical advice and being led astray in some areas in that in that department. But when we when we start following the wrong types of leaders, in other words, government instead of the Lord. Um, <laughs> We're heading down a really dangerous path, and and I do see that happening. Obviously, not at, not all, and many of your listeners aren't aren't doing that, but but perhaps some are. And government is not our friend, and I think we need to be aware of that. Right, Jen. I was just listening to you talk, and a question came into my mind. Uh, some people probably go, "Well, it's been seventy-seven years." That's a long time ago. That feels like ancient history. Yes. Jan, why is it important that we have a day like Holocaust Remembrance Day? What is lost if we forget the Holocaust? Well, I think the Holocaust is per- perhaps not the greatest tragedy of just the 20th century, but one of the greatest tragedies in the history of mankind. And again, it's mankind's evil getting out of control it's it's hatred that was rose to new levels uh during world war ii it's the fact that good people the german people who basically 
you know, most in Germany attended some sort of a church back then, um, but but they again they were so misled and they allowed themselves to be misled and they were. You look at the pictures from the 1930s and how excited they were about the direction Germany was going in the 30s, and by the mid 40s, you look at the pictures and the country is in complete catastrophic ruin. So making these wrong choices and these wrong decisions, going back to and then leaning on the government, if it's the wrong government, has consequences that are just staggering. And um, again, I am I am concerned that people are ignoring the lessons of history. And, and I, I just, again, I'm seeing them being repeated. I'm seeing this uh, longing for a leader. Look, the people of Germany longed for a leader, and obviously they picked the wrong one. They picked an Antichrist type back then, and we, we're too close to the real Antichrist coming on the horizon here any day. So we can't make that same mistake um, as, as, as the people of Germany did almost 100 years ago. And they did it because of, because of the ruins of World War I. They were set up for the catastrophe of World War II. And it's like they lost their mind. And you look at the images from the, 20, from the 30s and 40s, and you can see them losing their mind to a very evil leader. What kind of sway did he have over them? That's a whole other program, but he did. Yes. All right, Jan, thank you so much. What you got coming up this weekend? Uh, we're going to look at the economy and how does, how does the Christian cope in our new economy. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Jan Markell, thank host you. of Understanding the Times. All right, we're going to take a break right here and be back uh, in five minutes after the news. Uh, Chris, thank you. Thank you. For your contributions this last hour. We shall return uh, in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.